1: And right now on Fast, the bears take hold, the S&P dropping more than a percent. The Dow erasing a 370-point gain to end the day, more than 300 points in the red. The Nasdaq notching a sixth straight day of losses, its longest losing streak since 2019. So as we mark the end of summer, will it be more than just temperatures that come down further? Plus, buy for a bounce. The chart master says a rebound is coming for the retail sector. He lays out his case. And later, forget chart of the week. This is chart of the summer. This stock is up nearly 50 percent since Memorial Day. We'll tell you what it is and where it's going from here. I'm Courtney Reagan in this evening for Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money live from the Nasdaq Market Site. On the desk tonight, you have Tim Seymour. Steve Grasso, Bono and Eisen, and Courtney Garcia. It's wonderful to be with you all. Let's start with that major reversal we saw on Wall Street. The Dow, the S&P 500, and the Nasdaq selling off into a holiday weekend. The Dow swinging 700 points from high to low. And the Nasdaq now down nearly 12 percent from its August highs. And yeah, it's just September 2nd. Anxiety on the energy front overwhelming a Goldilocks jobs report. Gazprom reporting the Nord Stream pipeline would stay closed until an engine oil leak is repaired. Natural gas prices dropping by 4 percent. Despite that news, Tim, you pointed to this as a reason for the swing lower. The charts really show that very clear picture and the direction change right around when that news came out.
2: Yeah. And, and previous to that news, Court, great to see you. Uh, it was news that the US and Europe and at least Western nations were going to put a cap on what they would pay for Russian oil. Um, Russia quickly responds and, and make no mistake. This this you know, Nord Stream is not closed for repairs. No, Nord Stream is closed for for geopolitical tactical, you know, counter move. And and yeah in terms of markets, we digested all week where the EU was in terms of not only gas storage levels, Germany's probably at 85%. There's a lot of people that feel across the EU that their storage levels get them through the winter season. But either way, this type of of both hostility and and the gamesmanship underscores the problems that Europe has and the problems that really the globe has with energy supply right now. By the way, OPEC meeting next week uh, on Monday, while most people will be sitting by the barbecue. So uh, you know, with great irony, of course, it's energy that was the only thing that was up this week, which is, of course, uh, where Putin gets his his life brought from. So I I just think, you know, the the payroll number was important. I would underscore two things. One is is that, yes, we had downward revisions, so the labor numbers were not as strong as they could have been. But most importantly was that this participation rate, uh, almost 800,000 more folks into the job market, bringing up the unemployment rate and that's actually good news and, and the fed needs more of this uh, and obviously targeting labor is something they won't talk about but it's something that they are
1: grasso obviously a number of things that we could talk about but i do want to get your take on what was going on with the news of the gas prom situation we know there's an energy crisis already going on in europe there does seem to be more worry or more certainty that europe could go into a recession still debate about what happens for us here so the news that came out today that did certainly change the direction in the market is it a worry that will continue beyond the weekend or was this just a heightening up of that hostility as Tim is talking about? How much do you need to factor this in to your portfolio decisions out of this long weekend going into the fall?
3: Well this is going to be an ongoing uh, you know, headlines, Cord. We've seen these headlines on an ongoing basis, pretty, uh, pretty re- re- repetitious. So you're going to have to, if you're going to invest, you're going to have to invest around these things. With with the market as a whole, these headlines, there are tape-reading algos. What do I mean by that? You see that headline go, Tim pointed it out, you saw the market turn pretty close to when that tape, uh, when that headline was released, the tape goes south, you have tape-reading algos that react to it and sell stocks. It's not a whole, as a whole, it's not an overwhelming percentage of the overall market, but when you get a market going into a three day weekend, it's going to react to that. No different than we had the market react to the jobs number today. Mm-hmm. Tim did a good job of outlining the, those data points. It was a uh, not hot, not cold, just right type of event. But we've all talked about this, and, and you were here last week when we were talking about it with Steve Leesman who got angry at, at traders, not us, but traders, <laughs> for uh, not seeing exactly what, those, uh, what the Fed was going to be doing. What we're, not, we're not looking for a pivot. What we're looking for is not even a pause. We're looking for a change of pace from the Fed, and I think this number gave a little bit of hope for a change of pace. I do still think they'll go with 75, because the market gave them 75 and gave them a window to go for it. So with that, I think the market has an ability to move sort of sideways to lower. I think it's definitely a risk-off trade for the next uh, foreseeable you know, couple of weeks or so.
1: Courtney, how do you read that jobs report number that we got this morning? Certainly, it feels like most of us agree it was somewhat Goldilocks. But what does it mean for what the Fed may or may not do and, and how they're reading this latest data point?
4: Yeah well the Fed has said over and over again that the strong labor market is one of the things that has been keeping them from being able to um, stop their aggressive rate hikes and so we really need to see that come down here and I think that's exactly what this report has shown is that we, we saw a softening of the labor and it was softened in the best kind of a way but we're not seeing people getting getting laid off we're seeing that, that more people are coming into the market and that's why your unemployment levels are rising which is exactly what you want to see and that's where it's that cooling but not cooling too much which is exactly. What you want to see going forward. I think it's not enough that clear the markets didn't end higher today because this one data point alone isn't going to be enough that the markets are going to go off from here, that the Fed is off to the races. But I do think seeing more and more data points like this is going to be a positive that hopefully maybe there will be a 50 rather than a 75 basis point increase as we move forward here
1: when seeing that participation rate increase up did seem to be encouraging. A lot of people liked some of that trend and that number, even though, of course, it is just one report. We've got a long way to go to see exactly what's going to happen with monetary policy and how it does end up playing out throughout the economy and these different economic reports.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with Courtney's point there at the end. So, you know, this one single data point is most certainly positive. Um, but you know what, and it's the Goldilocks scenario that everyone kind of wants to see. And it is showing a glide path towards this very narrow Goldilocks scenario. But what it isn't and what I think has been forgotten, it, it is not pain. And the Fed has been very clear that there will be pain in the unemployment market. So this is you know us showing that listen we can have a tick up in the unemployment rate coming from what is pretty much a, a robustly positive type of uh, catalyst. But what it isn't is the layoffs. And I don't think the Fed is it's, it's certainly not going to pivot. And those that were expecting a pivot, I think that's off the table. I think now we're looking for the consolation prize, which is okay the pace of rates, and and the reversal in today's market showed you just how delicate that thread is holding on we at first it was a pivot now perhaps it's the pace now it's a goldilocks scenario and one single data point but we've kind of got to put this entire narrative together and i think we've yet to do that. And today's reversal, yes, it isn't going into a holiday weekend, and perhaps you don't want to have chips on the table going into geopolitical risk, mm-hmm. but it just shows you how quickly sentiment can reverse. And, and today is a testament to that. So I, I think that tends to be my focus more than perhaps the labor participation rate. I do think it was a positive read through, but I, I, I would definitely caution against trying to extap- extrapolate this one particular data point and trying to form an entire thesis around that.
1: Conwin always seems to have a little bit of air of caution. He always wants to warn us just a little bit. We're going to shift gears quickly from basis points to brake pads. We got a double dose of auto news for you. GM and Ford both making headlines today. Let's get over to Phil for more on the moves. Hi, Phil.
5: Hi, Courtney. Let's start first off with Ford, which reported its August numbers today. And it didn't have a big reaction in the market. And it's really hard to read much into this market, especially with what we saw with the broader market today and shares of Ford. Um, They were down 20 or they were up 27.3 percent. Keep in mind, it's in comparison to August of last year when they were down 35 percent, as we really saw the full impact of the chip shortage taking an impact last year. The F-150 Lightning, I want to talk about this a little bit. August sales, 2,373 Lightnings were delivered, best month since launch. And remember, they're gonna be increasing this every single month over the next year and a half uh, until they bring in more factories, uh, building more Lightnings. The inventory turn rate, eight days. What does that mean? That means essentially people are getting them as soon as they come off the assembly line. Basically, they put them on a carrier to the dealer, Paperwork is done out the door, extremely fast in the auto business. Let's talk about General Motors. Also some EV news there. The company today saying that it's Buick dealers. If they're not going to be upgrading their dealerships as the com- as the brand goes all electric, Buick dealers will be bought out or at least get a buyout offer of some fashion from the company. So this is part of the conversion that we're talking about, Courtney, as you see the legacy automakers Try to bring their dealer groups up to a point where people can say, I'm going to buy an electric car and I'm going to go to the Buick dealership or whatever brand I might be shopping on that particular day. Keep in mind that when it comes to EV market share, this is still Tesla's market. Everybody else, while they are ramping up production, they are way, way far away from Tesla. Tesla will be the market share leader at least for the next year and a half or two. Then we'll see what happens as Ford and GM ramp up their production. Courtney?
1: Yeah, yeah, the automakers definitely want to bring us to that next evolution, but maybe we're just not quite there yet. Phil, thank you very much. Have a great weekend if we don't see you before then. Steve, what do you make of uh, this news? Does it get you excited about any of these names trying to get ahead of the real jump and gain in market share, whoever is going to be second fiddle perhaps to Tesla?
3: Yeah, you, you phrased that properly. And when you look at Ford and you look at GM, they both had a, a, a pretty, pretty monstrous run to the upside from the end of June uh, slash early July till uh, recently. And then they, they both sort of just rolled off a little bit. Ford hit that 200 day moving average, stopped on a dime and backed off it. I think GM didn't get that far. Ford rallied pretty much twice as much as GM did. But on a stock basis, I would not be a buyer of either one right now. They had such a tremendous run. Let them back up a little bit, and then you could look at them again. But as Bono reminded us, if the Fed's going to induce pain, I don't know a lot of people that want to buy a car when when you're in a painful state in in the economy. So for me, I would wait. Technically, they're not a buy, and, and fundamentally, I don't see them as a buy right now either.
1: Well, that makes sense to me, but an awful lot of people seem to want to be buying new cars or used cars, any kind of car they could have gotten in the last two years. The demand is really incredible to me, really, that it's still holding on. Well, coming up, Kohl's cashing in. Shares of the retailer getting a pop as it reportedly heads back to the deal table. But can the latest lifeline really save the struggling retailer? We'll dive in. And later on, options action. Credit declined. We're laying out a way to play one regional bank as cracks in the consumer start to show don't go anywhere there's more fast money right after this
6: the spirit of performance defines acura and now it's electric introducing the all-electric zdx acura's most powerful suv yet while what powers their cars may change the energy that makes acura never will crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
7: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place?
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Kohl's topping the tape today, rising more than 5.5% after a report that Oak Street Real Estate is looking to buy as much as $2 billion worth of the retailer's property and have the company then lease back those locations or those stores. Kohl's had been in talks to be acquired by Franchise Group earlier in the year, but those talks fell apart in July. Oak Street wanted to help finance that deal. Courtney, you know, retail leasebacks or these sale leasebacks in retail, seem to be always very popular when a company is in distress but in the long run I'm not really sure it does much for shareholders but today it supported coal stock on a day when the tape was down. Courtney what do you you make of this news?
7: Well clearly
4: I think what we're seeing right now is they just had a deal that fall through and this is now their second way that they're able to raise some cash. And I think what we are going to need to see from a a company like Kohl's is that they do have that capital to be able to restructure things in a a sector right now that is going to be struggling a little bit more than other sectors in the economy. So if this is going to give them some of the short term moves to you know put more money into their e-commerce get more people into their into their stores. um, I think that's really what people are so optimistic to see right now. This is very early on. People were also optimistic when there was gonna be a deal earlier, um, and that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So um, I just would caution a little bit. This is the rumor, not the news, um, but it might be interesting to see how this plays out.
1: Yeah, that's right. And we reached out to Kohl's. No official comment. But if you look back at some of the earnings transcript from just a couple of weeks ago, they did sort of talk about how, yes, they are looking at it. But of course, the climate is is changing. I would point out that the activist that's involved in Kohl's McCallum has also been involved in Big Lots and Bed Bath and Beyond in recent years. And they have done smaller sale leaseback um, opportunities. But of course, share prices of both of those companies down precipitously since then. Bonwin, what do you make of this news here, does it give you, I don't know, any excitement about wanting to jump into Kohl's if this does anything financially for them?
0: Uh, sure I mean I, I'm excited about the two things liquidity and flexibility it, it gives them options and I think you know you look at stock performance year-to-date I think it's down about 40 percent maybe a little more that tells you all you need to know about what investors think in terms of what their kind of existential situation was going into this new so yes it is probably their second option in terms of uh, kind of shoring up that balance sheet but at least this is uh, a presumed you know lifeline that allows them to kind of make the moves needed to kind of pivot and and um, you know build a better business. So, you know, uh, at at Headline, I definitely think it's a positive. To Courtney's point, I think this is more the rumor than the news, and I think once uh, this thing actually manifests and and, and shows itself to be true, that's when you'll you'll, kind of see those options play out.
1: Yeah, and Kohl's shares are below $30, of course. At one point, there had been an offer for 64 although Kohl's CEO, Michelle Goss, told us it wasn't a real full offer that was ready to be executed. Meanwhile, the XRT the retail ETF has fallen nearly 13% since its August highs. But the chart master says it may be due for a rebound now. So let's get to the charts with Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Carter, what do you see here?
8: It's an interesting setup. I mean, before we get to the charts, what we know is this is essentially the market on steroids. It's as much beta as you could have. The beauty of this uh, ETF, of course, is it's equal weight. It's 100 names. And whereas the consumer discretionary sector, the top three Amazon, Tesla, Home Depot are 50% weight, the 100 stocks here are all given an equal weight. Now, let's look at the first chart. It's all the same chart, just three iterations. We know that it peaked before the market, peaked November 16th, market peaked, of course, Jan 4. We know it bottomed before the market on June 30th, market bottomed July 17. And then it overshot that trend line and is checked back to it. Now, I've drawn the arrow that way. Let's look at the next iteration. It's the same chart, but it's also checked back to the minor uptrend line, in effect, since the low of June 30. And the final chart is just the first two combined. So what we have, just to put this in context, is its decline from its peak was 45% versus the S&P 25, more on the way down. Its bounce off its low was 32% versus the S&P up 19, more on the way up. And in turn, finally, it is given back more now, down 18% from its August peak versus the market down 9.5. But we're to that trend line. And my hunch is that you can trade this for a bounce.
1: Very interesting stuff. I, I like the, uh, of course, the details about the weighting and all of the beta moves here that can be made and, and understood about the retail ETF. Thank you, Carter. We'll see you in a couple of minutes for option action. So don't go too far away. Let's trade this one. Uh, Tim, what do you make of the XRT? We've seen this downtrend. You think it's poised for a rebound? Mm
2: always hard to argue with Carter's charts. I'll (laughs) say XRT did nothing from 2014 through COVID and and then was really meme stock mania. I I think XRT goes lower. I think the pressure on the consumer continues lower. It's nice that this is an equal weighted uh, index. Get exposure to uh, consumer staples. Get exposure to me again, to Walmart and and Target and even places that have fallen under some trouble. Um, But XRT outright uh, has not performed for years in in an environment where the Fed was a lot more engaged and rates Mm. weren't moving higher. I'm a seller.
1: Okay, fair enough. We're going to talk about consumer cracks coming up a little bit later. And markets were down this week, but no one told this stock surging over 25% since Monday. Is there more room for it to run? We will find out. And don't forget to stay tuned at the top of the hour for CNBC special Back to Business. With the unofficial end of summer insight, we dive into what the return to work and return to the office could mean for the economy and businesses. That's coming up at 6 p.m. You're watching Fast Money Live here from New York City's Times Square. We're back in just two minutes. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for our chart of the week. It's Penduo Duo, soaring 25% since Monday. And take a look at this. The stock up a whopping 49% since Memorial Day, making it the top NASDAQ 100 performer of the summer. But there are still risks to investing in China. The U.S. State Department just approving the more than $1.1 billion in arms sales to Taiwan. Tim, what do you make of the run in this name?
2: Uh, the second headline scares me a lot, but uh, I, I think the ability to counter Amazon, I think some of the trade, they had a second quarter beat that was a high quality beat, 34% adjusted margin. Uh, I also think that there's a tailwind for Chinese ADRs uh, coming from, again, some settlement on the accounting issues that was forcing delisting. But this headline with Taiwan, uh, we're only ratcheting up the pressure here, and I don't like it.
1: Yeah, Steve, what do you make of that? The geopolitical tensions, the hostility, it's not lessening, that's for sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, that, that headline is going to affect the entire market, not just the, the uh, China-related names. But this stock in particular, it's, it's, it's funny, uh, they started off as an agricultural online retailer. I think that aspect of it can really separate it from the herd from the other e-commerce names. So this one looks to be a little bit overextended right now. It's a nice pop. I wouldn't buy it here. But I agree with you that geopolitical risk is huge for the entire market.
1: It is quite a run, though. too, to your point, from Memorial Day, Courtney. Quick comment from you on Penduo
4: Yeah, I do think there is a lot of um, there's a lot of concern that they have a lot of com- competition. Like they have to compete with the Amazons who have like a two day delivery here in the U.S. But I, I would actually argue they're very different from a lot of their competitors. They really don't have anybody who is specifically bringing agriculture directly from the farmers to the consumer, which I think puts them in a kind of an interesting position here. So something to be watching.
1: Hmm. We're going to get a couple of new members in the S&P. Shares of CoStar and Invitation Homes jumping as the companies are joining the benchmark S&P 500. They are replacing PVH and Penn Entertainment, which are moving to the S&P 400 mid-cap index. Well, it's time for final trade already. Let's go around the horn. It was a fast one today. Tim.
2: Yeah, first of all, have a great day. Labor Day weekend and I Walmart to me is the retail name I want to own since announcing the the inventory and the guide down. um, This has been one of the best stocks in the market even during a difficult couple weeks overall for the market. So again like Walmart this is their time to shine.
4: Courtney. Uh, I'm going to go Starbucks here. Um, Happy Labor Day weekend to everybody here and it also starts the beginning of fall. So you're going to hear about a lot about those pumpkin spice lattes but also they just late named a new CEO and I think this could be an interesting time to play
1: that name. Love that PSL. Bonowin, how about you for final trade?
0: Uh, well, Courtney, as you pointed out earlier, I'm gonna stay true to form. Fed says they're going to induce pain. I'm looking for treatment. XLV, <laughs> stick with healthcare.
1: Fair enough. And Grasso, take us home here going into Labor Day weekend.
3: I bought a stock, NXE, Next Gen Energy. Tim I uh, pointed out the uranium play stocks. This is a smaller under-the-radar play. So I think this is going to be a big event, a big sector to watch going forward. Not only Japan, but India is going to have a a, a mega, mega deal in in that space as well. Uranium, NXE.
1: Good variety here for final trades. That does it for fast money. But don't go anywhere because options action is coming up next.
7: What's on the horizon for financial markets?